Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. You mentioned to me last week that the undertaking that the federal government has done in responding to COVID-19 is maybe the biggest response to anything we've ever seen. Uh, Craig Fugate pointed out a couple weeks ago, this is not limited to geography, and that, I think, is the reason that this is the the scope that it is, the size that it is. Is that fair to say, Robert? Absolutely. The Small Business Administration's uh, loan volume increased 100 times. They did 14 years of loans in 13 days. Unemployment uh, insurance claims are an order of magnitude greater than ever in our history, and states are having to uh, fulfill that uh, obligation using antiquated systems. They're getting it done not as fast as we want, but they're getting it done. The the degree to which the government and public servants has stepped up is nothing short of miraculous. Our guest this week is nodding enthusiastically in agreement <laughs> with everything that you said. She's the Chief Information Officer of the United States, Suzette Kent. It's great to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming on FedHeads. I guess first a chance to brag on the people that you're working with. What has struck you in particular about the work that either a certain organization or the federal government as an enterprise has done in the time that we first had to push the button on COVID response? Well, Francis and Robert, thanks for asking me to, to, to join you. And, Francis, I have been so thrilled um, and heartened by the response across all of the agencies. And, and I know collaboration is an overused word, um, but, but I'm going to use that kind of as the example because it was not only the agencies, CIOs and CISOs together asking, what do you need? What, what have you done? What can I share? They were focused on response and mission continuity, but urgency in, in all things. And our vendor partners did the same thing. I, I don't often have a one-on-one with the senior executives at you know all of our companies, one right after the other, you know, day by day going through every agency. Um, but they stepped forward as well. And when, you know, you, you, Robert used the example with SBA when, you know, we're on the phone with Maria and she said, hey, I need these skills, but I need them in this city and I can't fly my people there. USDA and NASA and other organizations said, hey, I, I'll send you somebody. I, I'll, I'll put, you know, GSA said, I'll, I'll send you a person over there. And you know, they were sharing resources, not just things that they had done, but actual people, because we couldn't put people on planes to be able to respond um, quickly. And I've also been really thrilled and, and heartened. And it's one of those things that I, I hope we don't let, um, we don't move backwards by how fast agencies ex- not only expanded collaboration tools from the technology side, but how the mission teams embraced those tools and were excited by them. And there was also a couple of things that, you know, because we had to minimize person-to-person contact, we were in little, you know, pilots or on the front end of digitizing something. We just ran forward and pushed it through. And those were really exciting things and um, led to some of the, you know, successes in the response efforts. 
so is there a you've told us a lot in that uh, brief answer but is there a specific story you can share about a problem that got solved and uh, that it, what resulted really impressed you about how things were working in this crisis there's a lot of them I mean I, I already shared the example of sharing people across agencies that is not something that usually happens um, we got through a process for digital onboarding so electronic onboarding of individuals, we'd never gone there before. We didn't even do it during the shutdown. We, we just didn't onboard, you know, in the same way. We also had the opportunity to accelerate a pilot for digital offboarding. We, we'd never done that prior. Um, Robert, you also mentioned, you know, historic volumes. We're working at a, at, you know, plus 30 days sustained, the highest number of telework individuals the federal government has ever seen. We've logged more hours on conference calls than ever seen. And the number of minutes with a couple of the different tool providers, they've given us kind of, you know, number of minutes. And that's been incredible. But when you consider the response for SBA and Treasury, and they set up new websites and new applications, things that would normally take us months, maybe years, they did it in days and you know all of that to to support the response efforts um, so those are the things and, and the stories that are most exciting and although it's really different teams worked you know three shifts they worked 24 7 we had new guidance coming out almost every single day mm -hmm. right and agencies were responding to that so the you know we're all in it we're focused on both mission and response at the same time. And I've been impressed with everyone's willingness to say, how can we versus any um, throwing up any kind of barriers or letting um, what might've been historic barriers impede them. There's a lot there to chew on Suzette. One of the things that I think is most important though, the word that you used in that description is sustained. And I think it's important for a lot of reasons. When you were on the TV show a couple weeks ago, you talked about seeing this as an opportunity. What specifically is the opportunity that you see? What should other information technology government, uh, leaders in government see when they look for opportunity here? And then how do they take advantage of it and maximize it to its full potential? It strikes me that maybe the beginning of that path is what you talked about. about we had some things that we were starting, that we were piloting, and we just went ahead and did them. I imagine that's one. Is that the main one, or are there others, too? Having the technology ready and available is part of the journey, right? That's part of it. And I can point to a lot of places where we have pilots and we've had the tools. I use the collaboration tools as an example. Um, design tools, electronic signature, you know, capabilities to screen share and things like that. What this has led us to is mainstream acceptance of those things and people knowing how to use them and getting comfortable. I know that um, a couple of the agencies shared their stories when this first started and they were preparing for telework. They had to do like demo day in their lobby or with their various <laughs> teams or they had to print out for people this whole you know, set of spreadsheets of this is how you use the tools you have. <laughs> You know, Printing out spreadsheets for the digital tools. That's great. Yeah. It's like, 
<laughs> not everybody has millennials at the beckon that I do. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, we even had people that said, oh, I have to take a printer home. We said, wait, wait, wait. Why do you have to take a printer home? Well, I have to be able to print out the stuff that I read. Well, like, well you know what? That monitor thing <laughs> can really work well. And let's show, you know. It's working I, great. I'm, I'm kind of making a joke of it, but one of the really important outcomes is that to put health first and to put safety of employees and federal workers and our contract community, to put those things first, we had to do business differently. And whether, um, you know, some people were thrilled by it, you know, other people, oh, you know, might, might have grimaced and, and grumbled. But because we had to sustain it, because it wasn't a snow day, and you couldn't ignore it and do it when you got back and, you know, do it the old way when you get back in the office, um, because they've had to sustain it. And it's an entire community. It's not just a state. It's not just one agency. It, it's everyone. And people are, are kind of using that method both in their business life but their personal life too you know remote happy hours talking to your family that way so the acceptance paradigm has completely changed and that's where we need to not go backwards you mentioned the health of our people the the healthcare industrial complex is working overtime and people are getting a fresh look at the complex organization that makes up the government's healthcare workforce, including the Commissioned Corps. Can you talk about what impact you've seen this has had on that workforce, and particularly its reliance on information technology, which, of course, is going directly to helping treat and, and find a vaccine for this uh, pandemic? Yeah. First, you know, I have to say thank you. Um, it's kind of funny in D.C., Admiral Gerard is my neighbor. Uh, so it, it, it Seeing him on a day-to-day -day basis and then, you know, watching some of the things that have been happening as part of the response, I, I, an amazing appreciation for the, the whole spectrum of, you know, individuals, front, you know, front caregiving, facing, you know, and those that are managing the supply. But some of the things that um, this made us think differently about is, you know, what is, you know, a healthcare, what, what is something that supports our healthcare apparatus? We had to have conversations about PCs and and iPads and laptops, right? That That is actually a medical device, yeah. depending on the use, right? So we had to think about our supply chain differently. Um, we, I have been thrilled by watching the 3D printing, um, again, kind of industry evolve to turn into producing different types of things for the whole, you know, PPE, whether it's gowns or masks or, you know, covers or, you know, transferring ventilators. Um, your readers can't see it, but I have a uh, hand sanitizer that is in a lovely bottle that looks an awful lot like an adult beverage liquor bottle, <laughs> but it's from one of the companies who went from producing alcohol to producing hand sanitizer. So, um, the innovation, resilience, um, HHS did a terrific job in taking almost 200 data sets and making those available. And we just had a federal data strategy meeting today, and we have a special working group set up for, for COVID. Um, that's been one of the success stories, too, is taking that data that we have available. And, and you know, whether it's in private sector partnerships or just making it available as response efforts, 
you look at the apparatus differently. It's all those pieces. Um, and it's a united mission to get whatever the asset is needed to those who are responding. So when you mentioned the data, Suzette, it reminds me that when you were on the TV show a little while back, you talked about the ground that you had already, a groundwork that you had already laid through the president's management agenda and some of the other guiding documents and decisions that you had taken since you've been in office and some of the things that Tony had put in place, Tony Scott, your predecessor, that were things that the agencies could use as building blocks. What are some of those that you think have paid off the most? We did this six months ago, or we did this a year ago, or we started this effort uh, in 2018, and because we did that, now we're realizing this or that benefit from it. I'm going to brag on USDA for a minute just because that was one of the examples that they were sharing with us at the CDO Council. Um, The effort that they started to create a dashboard um, for uh, Secretary Purdue as part of their modernization efforts started uh, both an appreciation of data and an understanding of kind of what that dashboard and, and, and the analytical capabilities look like. And What's impressive now is that they were able that they over the last couple of years they've continued to expand it and they've gone from you know a handful of users to thousands of users they've gone from um, a few data sets and analytical capabilities to massive but what they did and, and these are kind of connected to the federal data strategy it starts with what's the question I want to answer and the question they wanted to answer was. When, how, when do we meet those gating factors of bringing people back into the office? And what does that look like region by region, locale by locale, because those things are all different, and overlay that with the data where they have federal employees. So they were able to take um, information about their employees and where their employees were, overlay that with publicly available information, CDC, Johns Hopkins, and others, and be able to paint a picture for people in the agency to ask the question, is it safe you know, to bring employees back in this region based on the gating factors that we need to consider? They wouldn't have been able to do that if they hadn't started those investments and inquiries with, hey, let's get Sunny a dashboard, right, in, in that great journey that they've been on. Um, I also have been having conversations. This is a state-related thing, but we made it. Uh, we made some investments in a um, secure data enclave, and many of the states are, you know, as you both know, struggling with their, you know, systems that have been underinvested in, and you know, they're they're having challenges with unemployment. But that also leads to forecasting of what's going to happen with SNAP, TANF, and WIC and other things. And we were able to use some of our tools that we built for something else, but share that. Um, And that is both a federal data strategy product and a public-private partnership product with one of the universities. And we were able to use that facility to support some of the efforts for data. So those those are some things. We didn't even think about those things when we started. But because all the uh, foundational capabilities were there, we were able to, you know, use it for response. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this last question. I, there's about a jillion things that I could talk <laughs> to you. This could be the longest episode of Fed Heads ever, but I'm not going to put you or the listener through that. 
Um, <laughs> what I, I kind of have asked you this before, but I mean it more culturally now than uh, you, you talked about it logistically and procedurally. How do you maintain this momentum? How do you keep people thinking that the default way of doing business is helping each other and sharing information rather than the way it's been in the past, which is I'm going to stay in my lane because I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I'll risk not doing the best thing, the right thing, so I don't make any mistakes. It sounds like you've kind of broken that somewhat, which is a great thing, but how do you keep that broken, I guess? <laughs> There's a couple things to it. Um, Francis is that we're all focused on the exact same mission and objectives. And when that happens, regardless of whether it's a response to um, a natural disaster or something like this, when there is clarity of focus, incredible things happen. So, so that's one part is continuing, you know, to be extremely clear about what what those outcomes are, and uniting the agencies around that. So, those those are some of the things we get to do in the PMA. Those are some things that you know the administration sets as priorities, and we have to be um, very focused on ensuring that we're following those things, and we don't let the traffic distract us. In this case, because it's so important from a human nature, or I mean, from you know a human aspect. We have a lot of focus. The other thing, um, and that's where I think conversations like this and, you know, uh, the, the folks on the media side and in the, you know, good government groups and others can be really supportive is um, success often breeds success. And one of the things that I have observed as I have worked across um, federal government is when we have a pilot that is successful, people will rapidly replicate and they're excited to move forward. And when you're not dealing in theory, you're dealing in actual results delivered, that not only drives acceptance, but that helps us get all the constituencies and stakeholders together. And that, that can be difficult when you're, when you're, you know, stakeholders are your agency leaders, they're your team, they're Congress that's funding you, you know, they're your budget examiners, OMB, you got to get all those people on the same page. And, um, Success helps us do that. So continuing to elevate the success stories and um, not backing off on leveraging some of the modern tools and continuing to push forward for citizen service digitization um, is how we keep the ball rolling. It's great to talk to you. Congratulations on the success that you're having, and thank you very much for spending this time with us today. It's great to have you on the program. We're really glad you're there. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.